for anyone listening, Andrew does have an in inhuman ability <laughs> to eat hot food. It's unbelievable the temperature food that Andrew can eat effectively. Hello, and welcome back to episode number two of Teenage Mutant Ninja Shellcast. I'm your host for today, Chris, joined as always by my brothers and co-host, Andrew. Andrew, how are you doing? I'm doing episode two. We're on the, uh, we're officially on a roll here, I would yeah. say. Yeah, call it three, it's a winning streak. Yeah. And then we got John. John, welcome back. How are you doing? Hello, hello. This is John. All right, so uh, this episode, we're going to get, uh, continue our review of the 1987 uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. We're going to do episode two, but first, I have a punishment for those of you that listened to the last episode. I spun the pizza wheel at the end of the show and landed on pizza with whipped cream topping. So uh, we're going to do that right now. So if you're, if you're watching at home, we've got a nice Elio's pizza. Well done. Yeah. (laughs) Some would say perfectly cooked. Uh, Elio's, if you haven't had it before, is most similar to your elementary school lunch pizza. We've got some Cool Whip name brand here. So I'm a big Straight. fan of Cool Whip. Wow, no chef. the uh, whipped cream and going just right, right to Cool Whip. Well, I like Cool Whip better. Same thing, but yeah. So we're gonna go right on top here. Snap a photo before you. Uh, yeah. Before you indulge. I mean, I'm just. I'm not. Yeah, all right. wow. I'll cover the whole thing. I'll probably just would have done a bite. Well, John, I'm going to take one bite, but for photo effects, we'll do the whole pizza covered. Is it still warm? Uh, yeah, I cooked it like 10 minutes ago, so not the most appetizing thing. Just a review for uh, anyone that's joining us. We So the pizza wheel, we basically pull all the pizzas that are mentioned in the episode. And then build them into a random wheel selection uh, game. So Chris had uh, his other options besides whipped cream were pepperoni and ice cream, jelly bean and mushroom, anchovy and peanut butter, sashimi, banana and sausage, or whipped cream. Yeah, so individually, I like both of these things. It's just gone. Yeah, we'll we'll get back in in a second. So individually, Cool Whip, great. Ilio's Pizza, great. Um, Not the combination that I was hoping for. So we'll we'll bring it back up to the camera, as you guys can see here. Nice spread. Liberal. uh, Spread on. A little bit liberal. This might be one of those ASMR things. Well, here we go. Should we take a picture? Yeah. (laughs) Disgusting. This is actually pretty good. <laughs> oh, sweet. Yeah, because you can put whipped cream on anything and it will yeah. taste good. The temperature contrast, not great, but the <laughs> actual flavor, better than I thought. Hmm. So, I don't know what kind of scale we want to use here, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give it, um, I'll give it a four on a scale of one to ten. 
Ah, okay. A flat four. So I wouldn't recommend it. Not as bad as I thought, but we'll get one of you guys on the pizza wheel at the end of the show. Um, anything you guys want to bring up before we dive into it? We got a lot to cover this episode. Yeah, episode two, pretty uh, pretty good, I got to say. Like uh, from a hot take perspective, we got a lot of people introduced, which is great. We're starting to pick up on the plot here, I think. Uh, overall, yeah, I thought it was a good episode. Yeah, so episode two titled Enter the Shredder, air date December 29th, 1987. So right after Christmas, um, the day diving after. right into it. Aired the day after episode one, so they're they're just banging out episodes. Oh, really? That's yeah, interesting. It, it like came they, right at the end of the year. You think they yeah, wait think, for New Year's? I think when you look at it, they're all all five or six episodes in season one were just back to back every day, which kind of goes along with the fact that they were trying to market or trying to build a show to market the toys. So just getting right out, you know, all five episodes right out one after the other. I wonder if the toys did the toys come out before Christmas and then the show followed it. Uh, I don't know. That's what I'm going to look at. Uh, no, I, I think the way, so as we had discussed on our last episode, they were looking to get a licensed deal with, I think it was whatever the, the toy Lance. manufacturer was. Yeah. But before they committed to manufacturing, they wanted to have it be a TV show first. So I think it was TV show trying to build a following so that they could secure the toy deal. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes sense. Toys came in 88, it looks like. Playmates. Oh, so basically they get the, the whole year in. So this was probably like their pilot season to see if it get picked up, which would be my guess. And then uh, they launched with the toys the following year was season two. Yeah, I think this was Monday to Friday each night. Cool. Perfect. So opening uh, title card here, interesting one, um, shows Michelangelo with two katanas drawn. So I didn't know if that was foreshadowing or just an error, but it was interesting that right off the gate, there's something going on with this episode. Yeah, the opening, uh, yeah, the opening scene, uh, not just like the little art piece that you're talking about there that has the name of the episode, but like the whole intro to the show. There's zero consistency across the board, like season one and season two, I think even season three will have kind of the same look and feel but then they start jumping around to a new intro and then they go back to the old one then some episodes there is no intro like i think on this one right there's yeah. no there's no actual like music playing it's just right to the uh the episode name so i don't know what team nt did on that but definitely um as you can see here like not hold not, not a whole lot of attention paid to which turtle is doing what because in the last one leo clearly should have been Mikey eating pizza and here they switched Mikey's colors with Leo again with the katana. So yeah, just, uh, just sloppy artwork, I, I think. Yeah. And so right out of gate, we'll get right into it. They're, they're asleep in the turtle layer. It appears that the sweeping arrangements have changed from episode one to episode two. So they're all in bunk beds. They don't have masks on, which is kind of funny. April does the whole flip the switch thing to wake them up. And then it's instantly into a training session which I think is I, I, episode one, they didn't really battle each other. So, John, we'll kick it to you for a little explanation on what happened to your uh, your favorite turtle there. Yeah, I mean, they're, I think um, Mikey is is battling Leo, if I'm not mistaken. Um, a little sparring action, Leo, with the just the wooden stick so that he's not, uh, you know, killing anybody. Mikey gets tossed around a little bit. 
Uh, and then they praise, or not, I shouldn't say praise, they criticize him that he basically needs more patience, needs to develop more patience in order to be more effective. So not uh, not looking so good for my take on the last episode in terms of who would win, but it's definitely yeah. not Mikey. I think you undersold it, tossed around a little bit. He got flung off the wall, <laughs> cracked it. Yeah, he got okie doke. <laughs> yeah, with a wooden, which, yeah, like, Leo's basically using Donatello's stick and just smokes him. I mean, later on in the episode, Mikey does some damage with his nunchucks that we'll get into, but not so great in the sparring session. Yep. Um, the, the other thing uh keep an eye for, too, I don't think it's until season three that they build, like, their layer is actually consistent from episode to episode. So, like, here they're in the bunk beds. I don't think we ever see bunk beds again. Um, and then, like, when season three hits, then you get the actual layer, like, the true sewer layout that they use for the rest of the series. So... But the bunk beds are a nice touch. I, I don't necessarily agree with the order because they had a weird kind of, it was Raph up top. I think Donnie, Mikey, Leo or something yeah. like that. Um, makes no sense. They, I guess they just randomly threw them in there. But uh, yeah. Was it four bunk beds on top of each other? Yeah. Two, Sky yeah. high in the, in the tunnel. I didn't, I didn't notice that. And then like April came out of like some other room and just yeah. starts flicking white switches. Yeah. Um, so they get done. They eat some breakfast, which we'll pause there. So we get three new pizza flavors introduced at this point. Um, three cereals. So we get uh, cornflakes. We get raisin bran, and then we get choco puffs. I think is what they call it. Yep. Um, which to me was interesting because those first two. I don't know if choco puffs is a name brand, but like raisin bran's a name brand and. Uh, cornflakes is name brand, so I don't know if that was intentional or not, but it was funny that they used actual cereals. I don't know, but they all sound disgusting. I, I personally am not a uh, I'm more of like a cereal as dessert kind of person, and they were going right on uh, pizza for breakfast. I think even Splinter offered Splinter's eating sushi for breakfast, which again, there's a whole lot of sushi and like sashimi references. I don't think they ever come back after like this first. Season. Yeah, and then was that like a running gag with you? Because it gets offered to April, which she had in the first episode was offered to her. So I don't know if that was a running gag that was going to keep going. No, they. It, I think it gets shut down pretty fast. Like the idea is the turtles are disgusted by raw fish, but then they eat all these weird things on their pizza. So that that's like the gag, but then the, the sushi thing goes away at some point. So is there is there a cereal? Let's do best and worst. Cereals you would want or not want on your pizza. John, we'll start with you. I think the I think the cereal that I would want on a pizza is probably just going to be one of my favorite cereals, which is Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Wow. Just I mean like just full Yeah, just, like there's I don't know, it's not a good answer, but if you I don't know, like kind of I mean, you just say whipped cream on a pizza, so it couldn't be much worse than that, a little texture, a little crunch. Yeah, but cinnamon cinnamon isn't I get like the texture, but cinnamon doesn't go with pizza. Yeah. It's I mean, terrible. Cinnamon Toast Crunch is your favorite cereal of all time. Uh, I mean, it's definitely top. I think my favorite ever is uh, maybe Honeycomb. That was my answer for best on a pizza. Honeycomb. You get a little sweetness, a little, a little crunch. Yeah, honey. I feel like the honey would be good on there. Cinnamon. And Cinnamon Toast Crunch, I don't know if this is true, but it feels like they changed the formula or something because it doesn't taste as good as I remember it tasting. I don't know if you guys have had it. Recently. I haven't had it in a long time. I always thought they should make the cinnamon like 
toast crunchers thicker. Like it's too thin. Yeah, they get a little soggy. What every the now hell? and then, what, 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 thicker. What? Yeah, thick. thick. A little more crunch. <laughs> like, like if you ever get two stuck together, it's it's cube? good. Unbelievable. Thicker yeah, cinnamon toast crunch. Because what what's the other uh, cereal that is the same shape as cinnamon toast crunch, but it's a French toast crunch flavor? No. <laughs> uh the golden grams golden grams yeah yeah (laughs) golden grams is like what you eat when you're you have to be over 60 to eat golden yeah they taste burnt it's like golden grams for the golden age you know yeah (laughs) well my uh i went my with my favorite cereal as well but i did captain crunch i think it's applicable to this pizza because corn at least the corn base makes more sense on pizza and um they're pretty ASMR like texturally sound. So I feel like at the end of the day, you get some crunch, you get a little bit of sweetness and it's corn. So it makes more sense than cinnamon. Yeah. What about, what about your worst? Absolutely. John, we'll go to you. Well, hold on. I need to comment on, on the captain crunch. Captain crunch just shreds the top of your mouth. So yeah. you're telling me you're going to eat a pizza. That's also going to shred your mouth. No, I'm going to fold the pizza in half New York style and then munch on my. Crunch. Actually, John makes a good point because if the pizza's hot, it's already going to hurt your mouth, and if you're <laughs> if you're cutting the top of your mouth and putting hot pizza in there, that's a problem. <laughs> Buddy, a I don't problem. shy away from adversity. Okay, <laughs> you, Andrew. For for anyone listening, Andrew does have an in inhuman ability <laughs> to, to eat hot food. It's unbelievable the temperature food that Andrew can eat effectively. John loves throwing that out there every now. And I then. do because I I hate. There's nothing worse to me than when food is too hot and you can't eat it. Like, especially yeah, burn your mouth. If yeah, you burn your bad. mouth, it ruins every meal for like a week. Yeah, it's terrible. It's so like you bite pay. your cheek. It's like. All right. What's your worst, John? Could it be any worse than Cinnamon Toast Crunch? <laughs> yeah, that was on the worst list. I didn't pick it. But. Um, I think I think worse might be Lucky Charms just with the marshmallow factor because they're I just going to get terms. like basically melted by the oil that's just pure sweetness on a pizza there's nothing wrong yeah, with but that I, but it then turns into liquid molten marshmallow that would then burn your mouth so yeah actually the cool is separating on the pizza that i have now it's gross it's sitting right in front of me chris what'd you have lucky germs i went with um uh the mini frosted mini wheats too much crunch yeah, like too dry almost. Yeah, I love frosted mini. I literally I eat them. I like them plain, but just on a pizza, I didn't think it would work well. I was gonna go with regular wheat, like wheat. Uh, what are the, what's the big wheats? But I don't know what you call it. Shredded wheat. Shredded wheat. Yeah, you're talking shredded about frosted wheat is like mini wheats. as big as a small serving. Yeah, I don't plate. think I don't even know if they sell shredded wheat anymore. But I remember it came in like one big hay bale, and you would like chip pieces off. So frosted mini wheats was my answer. I could see that. I went with the worst cereal ever, which is just OG Cheerios. They smell like Cheerios cat are pee. great. What the they hell? Smell like cat pee. Oh Regular God. Cheerios? Are you thinking of Honey Nut Cheerios? No, no I'm thinking of right. You can. The great thing about Cheerios is you can mix fruit in. I eat Cheerios all the time. Cheerios is the worst. The worst thing. cereal ever is Honey Smacks. Is the worst cereal. Dad would disagree with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great nut Sugar crunch smacks. or whatever. Great crunch. I like grape. Put that uh, in grape, yogurt, though. I'm thinking like good and plenty, but it's not good and plenty. But all right, so that's what we'll, we'll I mean. We'll either way, those. like of all the things to eat on pizza, I think cereal is low on the list for me. I just think texture. It's 
it's hard to find like if you a neutral cereal like you pick Cheerios is basically you're just adding texture, which I I would like. But teach their own. Um, well, if you yeah, I mean, if you kind of go like dessert pizza, where it's like more like a cookie crust with some like cream, like whipped cream cheese sort of sauce. If you throw some cereal and fruit on that, I bet that'd be good. Yeah, but these guys clearly just had like cheese pizza and they just dumped box of cereal on top. Do they ever get into where these pizzas are coming from? Uh, I, they Every now and then there's a couple episodes where they're making them at the house or Vinny's Pizza becomes like their favorite spot at some point. So I don't know where they're getting them from right now, but uh, definitely a lot of different toppings thrown out in the first two episodes here. I think we had like close to 10 total. Yeah. You know what would actually be good is if you had like a rice crispy base like the crust yeah like the crust was like a rice crispy and then you've got like remember those cereal bars yeah they were like milk in the middle (laughs) sugar (laughs) what the hell were those cemented together with sugar yeah that's what i'm thinking is like if you have that kind of as a pizza i could dig that and it starts like popping you put the sauce on think about this yeah fried dough base pizza with yeah, it doesn't up, become a pizza cinnamon anymore. toast. I mean, what is pizza really? Anyways, is <laughs> is pizza? It's a, a philosophical sandwich? question. <laughs> is pizza a sandwich? No, nobody knows. Just like what does CNN stand for? Nobody knows. Cable news network, isn't it? <laughs> Could yeah, be. Maybe nobody Central knows. News network or something. Yeah, nobody knows. Could be. All right. So moving on in this episode, we got a lot to get into. So. April basically says, hey, so she, it kind of sets the timeline because it's, it feels like it's a day or two after the first episode. April says, hey, I got to put a news story together about this Technodrome thing. Let's go find it. So they kind of rumble down the tunnel a little bit. They go to look for it. April's all about chasing this thing down. And then Leo, who it feels like he's becoming more of the leader now, says, hold on a minute. We got to go back to Splinter before we start chasing this thing anywhere. Yeah, we, we learn it's actually the the morning after um, last night's episode. It, so it's almost like it's real time, but they're they you know they look up and they see water dripping on their heads, and basically says, "Hey, that's the you know the leftover, the remains, the foundation of the building from last night's battle or whatever it is." So, especially the next day, there's also a, someone makes a comment. You know, they're they're Raph. basically driving the the technodrome under under the city and he, he makes a comment a hot dog stand would clean up in a place like this i wasn't really sure i understood that but i don't know because later on raf mentioned something about it being the, the size of shea stadium too so i don't know if that was supposed to be a tie into the baseball joke and a hot dog stand like because it's as big yeah. as like a i don't know i think a lot of the jokes aren't sensical they're just like i don't know yeah, it's like it's like a classic like early '90s sitcoms where like the main character says the punchline and everyone laughs, but they're like trying to find the punchline. Yeah, there's yeah. no laugh. There was no, like that would be where you put a laugh track in, but there's no laugh track in the show. Yeah. Um, so we go. They say they got to go back to Splinter, and then it hard cuts to Shredder. You know, shifting like it's a big rig, this Technodrome thing, um, hitting buttons, and then we get the introduction to Krang. So Krang buzzes him from the back. Shredder goes back there, and we get a look at Krang the Brain. Um, and he kind of talks about this deal he has with Shredder where, you know, he's giving Shredder all this technology and Shredder is supposed to supply him with a body so he can bring his goons over from Dimension X, which is the first time we hear Dimension X as well. 
So. Yeah, it's also the first time because he he refers to Shredder as Saki, Roku Saki, an old friend, as well. So so if there was any question, I know uh, Splinter alluded to it at the end of episode one, but we definitely know Shredder and Roku Saki are the same person. Uh, we also know now where the Foot Clan is getting all its technology, or presumed technology is coming from Krang and his Dimension X stuff. Um, but yeah, so we get Krang, we ha already have Shredder, so we've got two of the most prominent villains in the TMNT 87 series already in the first two episodes here. Yeah, and there's definitely a little bit of a tension between the two of them, just given some of the dynamics between Shredder finding a body for Krang, and I think Shredder realizes if potentially Krang gets any stronger, he might not be able to stop him, so I, I think he's a little bit hesitant to... Yeah, well, he says it. He's yeah. like, if I give you a body, basically nobody will be able to stop you, including me. Yeah. And then Krang is kind of like, well, if I can get you the turtles, will you give me a body? Which still doesn't seem like a fair trade. But so we get, that's where we get the idea. Krang gives Shredder the idea basically to take some of his guys, use the mutagen to mutate them, and then use that to get the turtles. There's also a little bit more plot development around Master Yoshi's skills. We learn. You know, the Shredder Rokusaki followed him to New York basically to make sure that he was done for, just given how strong and powerful he is. So, see where that goes. Yeah, like the, for me, because I'd only ever watched the movies before this, like Shredder seems like an idiot. So, this, like the way the cartoon sets up is Krang is like literally and figuratively the brains of the operation. And then Shredder's just running around like an idiot doing what he says, basically. Yeah, it definitely is a hard pivot from the movies, which like Shredder's the ultimate villain and and like super badass here. Uh, and that's kind of a theme throughout, at least to where I'm at in season seven, is Shredder is kind of a nitwit um, and, and Krang is the one with the master plan. But what's, I think the biggest takeaway from here, which is foreshadowing is Krang is most interested in the Technodrome and Dimension X and getting his like, essentially which will come out in some of the next episodes like his uh generals uh and like servants basically from dimension x to earth to take it over shredder at this point is just focused on the turtles so that becomes like a pretty consistent theme throughout the next few seasons here where shredder's only you know primary focus is getting the turtles krang is on essentially dominating the earth by you know merging his dimension x uh you know, technology and, and people here. So it sets it up pretty well. Um, but yeah, Krang. So here he doesn't have the Android body. He's just sitting on his little like tripod. But the question I always had with Krang, if he has all this technology and he's so intelligent, why can't he build his own Android? Yeah. Like, does that not seem like a logical, like what is he actually using Shredder for? Like he says to build a body, but why can't he just do it himself? Well, and like, are we supposed to, is is it leading us to believe that Krang built the Technodrome? Like that's his machine and Shredder's just driving it? I don't think, I don't think they mentioned in this, uh, in this episode, but. Is, Krang is just a brain? Is that his, he's just. I think he's an alien, but a brain in brain form. It's like, does he have a brain? I don't know. He is a brain. Meta. Yeah. He's a sentient brain. Sentient With tentacles, I guess. Then one of the other series, they make the crane like a species. So it's 
even though like in this one he's called krang like krang is a whole type of alien he's like a pokemon his name is just yeah it's kind of like (laughs) i think 2012 did that i don't know about the comics um but definitely in the 2012 series like they treat krang as like a whole species so yeah i'm not exactly sure all we know is i mean I wonder if Krang was from the comics or if they legitimately just made him a big brain because he's the brains of like this operation in the cartoon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's a little on the nose. Yeah. And it is, it's the first time I meant to mention this, we get a full look at the Technodrome. So before awesome. we got glimpses of it, it's basically like a, to me, it looks like a golf ball with tank treads. And then there's like a weird eyeball on the top of it that's looking around. Yeah. yeah. It's like a <clears throat> Death Star ripoff to me. Yeah, yep. basically. Um, so there, so that kind of sets us up for what Shredder and Krang are, are working on. It cuts back to the turtles. They're talking to Splinter. Splinter basically says, hey, I think, you know, this is my former rival, Oroku Saki. I should go with you to follow the Technodrome. So for me, that was, again, a departure from the movie where Splinter is kind of like this old sage advice giver, but doesn't participate really in anything. And here he's basically, you know, leading the turtles down the tunnel while April goes back to this to the station to do research or something. I think it was just a way to kind of get her out of the scene so that they could start chasing the technodrome. Yeah, she was going back to Channel 6 to see if they had any information about the whereabouts as the turtles and Splinter are pursuing. And then here, here they also, um, <clears throat> you know, in the plot, they need to separate the turtles from Splinter. Um, you know, based on what happens in the episode. So like the whole, I think at one point is that Donatello makes a joke about uh, something about rats, like the nose of a rat or I can't remember what he says. Some sort of joke about Splinter being a rat and like being able to weave through stuff. And he eventually climbs up the wall and gets to the top and the turtles can't, can't follow him. Right. Something like that. Yeah. So he, yeah, they, they, they come to like a roadblock basically like a collapsed tunnel <clears throat> and splinter says yeah i'm a rat i can just find my way through this you guys yeah. got to go up to street level right and yeah, then, he says he's great at burrowing the yeah. rats are great at burrowing or something so go ahead john i was just gonna say there's i haven't watched the episode a couple times there's really no exposition for how april ditches the turtles like we can't obviously you know watching the episode you know she wants to get back to the station but it just kind of like splinter scurries off through the rubble and then just cut to whatever the next scene is, but you never really get any explanation for where April had gone. Yeah. Or how can she even navigate the sewers when she's only been down there for a day? Yeah. So, so from there, so they start going down the tunnel, April, you know, gets her excuse to get out of there and then we cut back to shredder. So there's a lot of jumping because there's separate like storylines going on. So this episode is a lot of quick cuts back and forth. We cut to, um, Shredder's little robot minions that are at the zoo and they steal a rhino and a warthog, which I didn't know it was actually a warthog until they said it in the episode. I thought it was like a wild boar or something, but they specifically call it out as a warthog later on. What's the difference? A wild boar is like what you would find in America. A warthog is like Timon and Pumbaa in Africa. Mm. I think a warthog is just bigger. I don't really know. Um, so they steal that from the zoo and then basically you get, you know, Splinter and the turtles still chasing them. Yeah. uh, Just one point on the, I thought it was funny. Um, the way that the robots cut the bars to get the 
well, first of all, all the <laughs> all the rhinos and the warthog are in cages with metal bars, not like in a natural habitat. <laughs> yeah. But then the I way mean, that weren't the, they together too? It's I don't know if they were separate cages, but they're like right next to each other if they yeah. weren't together basically <laughs> it's like the first two animals they saw they just grabbed yeah it's kind of like an old circus like you'd have like the crazy like people that had all these weird things just locked up whatever um but then the way that the robot cuts the bar it's like individual like instead of going across to cut a circle it's just it yeah, they vaporize the, the whole line it's like a column down yeah <laughs> it's like limit the collateral damage but yeah and they basically just lasso them with ropes and drag them back yeah. into the the technodrome yeah um so they drag him into the technodrome splinter has to go into his his goons are just in their own like break room in the technodrome <laughs> so he, he bounces in there asks for two volunteers none of them want to do it until he says oh it'll give you a chance to get back at the turtles so they strap two of them in a chair use the mutagen uh goo and turn them into bebop and rocksteady who which i i thought made sense based on what I said last episode where two of the goons looked like Bebop and Rocksteady. So that's what we find out in the, uh, how they're actually created. Um, so I guess we'll, we'll pause there. So in terms of animals, a rhino to me makes sense. You would take from a zoo, a warthog. I don't even know that would be in a zoo. Um, I guess they're two good animals. If you wanted to create a mutant bad guy, um, but we're going to do now, we're going to pause for a snake draft. So we're going to do, if we could choose what animal to be mutated into in order to be a bad guy, what would we choose? So the, we're going to do three rounds. The order we're going to do, we'll go by age. So it'll go Andrew, John, and then myself. And then, um, for future ones of these, we'll, we'll probably put out Twitter polls, see who ends up winning, and then we'll set our order based off of that. So, Andrew, whenever you're ready, um, you have the first pick. All right. I'm coming out uh, guns a-blazing, too. I'm going with the peregrine peregrine falcon. What the hell? I know why he – I'll let him say it, but I know why he picked it. I'll tell you why I picked it. Because if I could mutate into an animal, of course, one of – I think anyone's preferences would be flying just to experience that the peregrine peregrine Falcon can fly 186 miles per hour. So not only can I fly, but I'm also the fastest thing in the, in the world. Yeah. You've realized that's not like linear speed. It's dive bombing yeah. speed. So, so you're just going to fly straight up in the air and fly straight <laughs> down every time. No, just, you just once. step to the side. Just one time. <laughs> I knew as soon as you said peregrine, you just Googled fastest bird and picked it. <laughs> no, I knew I knew it was fast. I didn't know it could go 186 miles per hour in a dive, yeah. which is fucking bizarre. Like, yeah. I, I didn't even think, I guess because it's flying down. Like, what's the um, terminal velocity of like people? The peregrine falcon. Yeah, but I don't even think the terminal velocity <laughs> of people is 186 miles per hour. We have way more mass, you know? It's crazy. Yeah, but yeah, we're, we're also not, not dynamic. Like built. We didn't evolve to. I know, but bomb. if you just if you jumped off the space station and just barreled towards Earth, I don't. Think I think you'd, you'd go faster. Yeah, I think you would. Do fall. you think so? I'll look it up. Yeah, John, John buddy, when you're says, falling out of uh, space, that guy that dove out of space was going at like 300 miles an hour or something. Oh, no, what? No, no. Oh, listen to this. 
in a stable belly to earth position, the terminal velocity of a human is 120 miles per hour. Yeah, you're not going belly to earth. Or you're in going a head stable first. free fall head down position, it has a terminal velocity of around 150 to 180 miles per hour. And what does a peregrine falcon do? 186. So you could basically just be a human and do the same thing. No. Because at <laughs> yeah. the end, you would die as a human. At the end, if you were Oh, a yeah. All right. We'll pick it. All right. That's a terrible That's first pick. pick. You is shouldn't this, have to do that much. Explain. If we were a villain, this is who we'd want. Yeah, if you, basically, if you're if you're Bebop or Rocksteady, what animal would you yeah. want to be? So I'm going to go uh, white, great white shark. <laughs> Which <laughs> terrible assume, thing. What are you talking about? Assuming, I mean, if if I'm a you bad can't go guy, on land. I don't know. Who, who said I can't go on land? The turtles are water. No animals, turtles are on land. Uh, Dual terrain. You, real life, John. You've seen turtles on land and in water. Yeah, I've. I mean, I've seen sharks on land, not mobile, but they can go. I'm just. You put me in. You put me in water. I'm the best villain that you've ever seen. As a you're basically that street shark, whatever that street shark's name yeah, is. Exactly. There's a whole action figure series based on <laughs> sharks, so it's a good idea. That All was right. my number one. Those are two bad picks. <laughs> I'm going my first pick. I'm going with a grizzly bear. That's the easiest pick there is. Grizzly was my last pick. That goes to show you how much I thought of being a grizzly. Super strong, very aggressive. Hibernates for half the year. Hibernate yeah. doesn't mean just sleeping, you know. I know. Can Fun you fact. Catch, can I you know catch it. salmon in a in a river in Alaska? Can can catch salmon. Actually, they have they catch so many salmon they do uh fat bear week. Do you ever yeah, follow that? That's great. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Bear Force One. <laughs> that is great. But so I don't need to. I don't need to explain because we bear much. That's pretty self-explanatory. Number right. two, I'm going. This is where I beat Andrew. Andrew, I'm going with a goose. So a goose can fly. It can swim. It's very aggressive. It can walk on land. <laughs> so I've mastered all terrain, and I'm aggressive by nature. And I'm pretty sure a goose could free fall faster than a peregrine falcon. <laughs> So not not agilely though. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Yeah, but if I could fly up in the air and just belly that's all he's doing is dive bombing. <laughs> uh, you ever been around a goose that's like angry? They're vicious. In a dive bomb, you want a goose instead of a falcon? That's yeah, I think I'm not saying I would that's my primary move, but if it's just a, a speed off, I think they a goose would free fall faster. <laughs> I don't think you're right. I don't think that's right. That was just a bonus. I'm just I'm taking it primarily for the mastery of all forms of travel. You can't you could you couldn't escape me. That was a goose. Yeah. I think all goose right. are pretty slow on land. No, they're persistent though. They waddle. But they're they don't stop. You ever watch the the videos of guys like walking by a goose and it's just going off on them? Yeah, you never see the that the person's dead at the end of that video. Yeah, because it's Just the goose is attacking for so long. <laughs> it's a war of attrition. It just run, runs chops. you down. It's like, goose's neck is way too long. Why are their necks so long? <laughs> Bobbing and weaving? I don't know. I think it's for when they're in the water to eat stuff on the ground. But I don't actually know. <laughs> it's like, let's what, take a giraffe and make it with wings. And yeah, smaller. so they can eat the weeds on the bottom of a pond, I think. <laughs> you know, geese have teeth. Yeah, they hurt. I also think that a goose is only effective in 
large groups, gaggles, yeah. if you will. They're very territorial. I think a goose is a terrible choice. I would have done yes. duck over a goose like a million times. A duck is just a small goose. Yeah, it's more agile, buddy. And it has a no. neck that can't just be tied in a knot. You have to fly in a V <laughs> with other ducks. You can't even fly in the air by yourself. Geese also well, fly John, in Vs. John, <laughs> who's your, sex, who's your second? My second pick is a Black Panther. Literally un, undetectable in the night and also an amazing hunter and speedster. So, Isn't I'll a Black Panther just a jaguar that has black fur? All those jungle cats, I actually don't know the difference. Like, I think that's it's like a melanistic jaguar. I think I heard. Yeah, so it's like I thought jaguars were black, but they're not. No, they have the jaguar spots. Well, a jaguar is the can. smallest of all the big cats. It's a mel- melanistic color variant of the leopard and the jaguar. All right, so in the jaguar, that's not a bad one. That's what I'm going. For. But personally, with my second pick, I'm going elephant. I mean, that's a good pick. Why am I not... going elephant? Why are you going elephant? It's because not only are they one of the largest animals, but they're also, according to this Google slow. poll, they're one slow. of the smartest. Yeah, I mean, you could pick smarter animals. Yeah, like a dolphin. But okay. Elephant I had on my good. list. I had on there. Just do Just the size. pure size. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but also but tusk, you can also... Like who doesn't want to blow out of a uh, whatever they call them their nose basically trunk <laughs> trunk trunk <laughs> I don't think the tusks are for fighting really they're just for show no they're to like get them the other way it's not yeah they're, like not, like for a, like, they're not like a pointy jabby yeah that's what I'm like saying that. like it's more of an inconvenience to have a giant set of tusks on your face than it is an advantage I mean if it was an inconvenience then it wouldn't be there via evolution. It's for mating. That's what I'm saying. I don't think it's it's purely for battle. But I, I that said, I had elephant on my list. I'm not. I don't think it's a yeah. terrible pick. Elephant's a good pick. Yeah. Great pick. King of the jungle. An elephant? Yeah, <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> it's not a king of the jungle. All right, what's your uh, what's your wrap? And then to wrap here? it up, uh, I'm going octopus. That's a really good one. Eight. Eight arms. You got sticky tentacles. You can dart. You can squirt ink. Like they're super smart. Counterpoint: yeah. one swift bite of a great white shark, and you're done. Yeah. Again, you're water bound, you which like, is tough. Okay. I mean, eight arms though. Your main eight. defense is you just ink someone and swim away. No, but you have like the suction tentacles that you could also just like pick anything up and just fling them. They have like eight brains too, I think, or something, or like six hearts. There's something with octopus and multiple yeah. organs. So that's my I, my I, I would have rather gone giant squid if I was you, but they can put themselves, they can they can unjar themselves. Have you seen that video? They can unscrew the jar. Yeah, if you put an octopus in a jar, it can unscrew the lid and take itself out. I mean, so can I. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> All right, so that's my list. I go peregrine falcon. Elephant and octopus. That was sucks. Air, land, and sea. I see that. Yeah. Yeah, I got that in one pick. But it's a goose. Take what you can get. All right. So as a recap, I chose what I choose first. Great white black Shark, panther. Yeah. yeah. Great white. John's got a race panther. war going on. <laughs> <laughs> He's picking color colors. Wow. <laughs> 
I'm gonna go. This is see. This is interesting. Does it have to be an animal that's currently alive? I guess right. If we're gonna find yeah, out, yeah, because it has uh, to. So. By the rules of mutagen, yes, you have to be able to touch it. I think I'm. Gonna, I think I'm gonna go polar bear. I mean, you just picked Master an endangered version of a of bear. Ice. Yeah, but polar bears are vicious. Vicious animals. So I'm going polar bear. And I can survive in any weather. <laughs> <laughs> you have to float around on an ice. I, I don't yeah, I don't have the I don't have the sky, the air, so I'd lose to any air animal, but that's all right. All right. Um I'm actually my... in a polar bear's hair is translucent. Yes, you get sunburned. It's not. No, you don't get sunburned. I'm going to go with a beaver for my last pick. Chris, that freaking... What horrible... So a beaver, you have the teeth to chomp. Again, I can swim, I can walk, so I have dual terrain. The tail can slap people around with, and I can build things, which could come in handy in the middle of a battle or something. one thing by <laughs> I can felling build, trees. <laughs> I can build a dam. I can, I can build... I'm a master with wood. So any def- a dam, a lodge, anything you need, as long as it's those two things I could build. The I teeth is mostly the teeth and the tail. I don't. What the tail is just irrelevant. I'm pretty sure I won that round. You can slap people around with the tail. You guys both had garbage picks. No, because if you if people listen, they'll pick me. Just on the graphic, I would probably lose. But if you actually listen to the reasoning behind things, I would win easily. No, Chris, a goose Chris. was easily the worst. No, John, a great white is you can't get off the water. So come at me. You to, in order to fight me, you have to come to me. If you're chasing the Ninja Turtles, which is what this was based on, you're in New York City, so you're automatically just dead. No, I'm in the sewers. <laughs> <laughs> Floating around waiting, which we will get to. There's so much inconsistency with how they draw the sewers in the episode. There's a point where there's a giant. They're in the sewer tunnel with the water running like it was, you know, traditionally in the old episode. And then next to them is a pipe that is also carrying sewage. I mean, I'm no sewage expert, but yeah, it's redundant. Um, all right. So moving on in the episode, we're here. All right. So bebop and rocksteady are created. Then we cut to the turtles just popping out into the middle of broad daylight traffic. So everything we learned in the last episode where they're supposed to be sneaking around and disguising themselves, they just show up in the middle of what seems to be the busiest intersection in New York. Um, And they bump into April, who is coming out of her news station after having been reassigned by her boss to cover the zoo uh, burglary story. I was a little confused there because she calls her boss Vern. Vern, B-U-R-N-E. With the with the subtitles though, it says Vern V E R N. Oh, did it? No, yeah, I think, yeah, but those are just like those aren't always accurate. No, I think that's the official script. It's not just like you know whatever that software was, Dragon or whatever. Yeah, I think it. it I'm pretty sure it is. Speech. No, I think it takes the script. Why would she All have two is, people named Vern? Yeah, Vernon is the guy is the co-anchor in the pink shirt that ran away from the news van in the first one. Yeah, Vern and. Uh, yeah, Burn Thompson is her boss. The short, like, long. 
I'm just saying she called him Vern. No, Vern. And the, the part to me that didn't make sense is like she's getting to basically demoted and walks out super angry, bumps into the turtles who are wearing like their bebop regalia. Yeah. What's and the then all of a sudden is like snap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Classic, like, most, like yeah. cities, 90 hip hop. Hey, lady, what's the haps? <laughs> but then like all of a, like when she's leaving the when she's leaving the news station, she hasn't connected that the Technodrome and the zoo story are tied together. She's How basically she? mad that the turtles got her demoted and she's not going to have a story. And then she bumps into him and is instantly like, we got to get on the zoo story. They're related. Hmm. So that part just doesn't make any sense to me. It's news anchor intuition, Chris. I don't like April so far. I'm just going to put it out there. She annoys me. What? I don't, I, don't mind. I don't mind April. I I think her like character gets tired after a while because it's always the same. Like what you'll see is she's always looking for. Uh, I think they even say this in some episodes, like the uh, story of the century. So like that's her her like very narrow window as a character. Is she's always looking for the story and like Vernon is always trying to scoop April on her own story. So like that dynamic, every episode after a while, it's just like, okay, we can move past that. My yeah, they, as w- when they were assigning the story too, they had made reference to the fact that a police, re- a police report had already been filed two hours after the break in at the zoo. That seems a little bit far fetched. I mean, John what are you gonna say? Here. The only guy that was there was the guy that ducked under the bench. I know, but to get all that, like a new a report already filed and sort of done in two hours, knowing what I know, it's quick to file a report. That's probably it's probably accurate, huh? The report is filed. That means they wrote it up and filed it. Yeah, it seems <laughs> it seems quick. It seems, oh yeah, so I thought quick. you were saying it took too long. No, it seems way too quick. Oh, oh no! I, no. Yeah, I, I thought of. I don't know. It's an urgent story, John. It's the Central Park Zoo. <laughs> Is that what it was, Central Park Zoo? Yeah, they make a reference to it being Central Park. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know for a fact. Well, they said they're in New York City anyway. Yeah. Um, so they run off with April to 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 the zoo, and then it cuts to Splinter getting through that obstacle he was at, and then just instantly getting captured within like ten seconds of seeing the Technodrome. So a robot pops out, basically just rips him away. He drops his cane. And then we go back to the turtles and they're at the zoo getting ready to dive down to the hole that the Technodrome left. And they basically tell April, hey, stay behind because if this collapses, you can't get out of here. So again, just another reason to get April off and on her own story. And then they fall down the hole. Yeah, Mikey Mikey leads the way. <clears throat> so As a true they, leader does. Yeah, they slide down the hole and then again, comically... They're right at the Technodrome. They find Splinter's cane, and then Shredder pops on the speaker, I guess, and says, "Enter here, you know, if you want to get if you want to get Splinter back." Yeah, I think this this may be the first time we actually get sort of a zoomed out shot of the Technodrome, where you really do see that it's like I said before the Death Star ripoff, and it like I feel like it or fluctuates like. a lot in size. Sometimes it looks absolutely massive and sometimes it looks like reasonably sized. Yeah. Well, you saw, I mean, um, technically in the end credit scene, when it goes to, you know, it plays through the song and it's showing like still photos, 
one of them is at least the one that's most common that I remember is them when they like come up from season uh, from episode one, when they come into that hole, when they first see like the technodrome or maybe it's in this episode, I can't remember, but they walk in and it's like April and the four turtles. And it's just like this massive like tunnel that the technodrome. Yeah, that was this one. Yeah, that's this one. Yeah. So that that's huge. But then like even um, like not so much with this, with this episode, cause I think they at least were consistent between how big they depict it and then like how many rooms and stuff there is inside and like how big the rooms are. But sometimes, yeah, it, it's kind of the same thing with the turtle van. Like they make the turtle van like seem like this RV on wheels. But then when you look from the outside, it's like just a normal van. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, I think, I think obviously they, some of that has to be through like they're intentionally trying to fit stuff into a scene, but in the same sense, make it seem like this Death Star, like this vast uh, technological wonder. Yeah. Well, and like the weird thing is like, as far as we know right now, there's only like five people that live in it. So you just have this massive thing that's got like Shredder, Krang, and a couple goons in one room that's just rumbling around. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, like how hard it, I feel like it wouldn't be that hard to find this thing underground either. Like they make a whole stink about needing to chase it, but like, are, is the tunnel already built? Like this thing's not boring through. Yeah. Although it does, doesn't it have like a little drill on the front, but it's not like when Shredder's driving it, the tunnels already exist. Yeah. So they've just been down there like making their own roads, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Yeah, we don't even know why they're down there. If it's such an advanced thing, why wouldn't they be above ground? Well, he was like, it, and it, again, it doesn't explain why it was like hidden in the basement of that building. Yeah. For no reason, basically. But so the turtles enter, they do the old, this feels like a trap, which they did last episode. So again, I don't know if that's a running gag or not. It's a trap. But, um, yeah, they go in and then they basically just stole the scene from Star Wars where they're in the trash compactor and the turtles are just in this hallway that starts closing in. They feel like they're about to die. And then somebody slices the control panel in half. Leo does. Donatello like hot wires the thing and it saves them. Yeah. Another fatal flaw in the villain design of these. <laughs> just <laughs> hack a panel in half and yeah. push some buttons. Yeah, my, I, Mikey said a phrase. He said, I feel like a marshmallow in a nutcracker. That may be LOL. Yeah. Um, so I did, I did, um, at the time I didn't realize all the star Wars like satire, but, um, in episode one, I, I had meant to talk about the whole Genesis of the teenage mutant Ninja turtles and how, like from the very beginning, it was a joke or supposed to be a joke, um, of like a comic strip based off of, um, not Deadpool, um, daredevil so the whole and i didn't go like too deep into it but basically um eastman and and laird like they intentionally were making a gag on daredevil and they pulled like a lot of that the elements of like how he mutated i guess or something um but then just try to make it like as absurd as possible by naming like the teenage mutant ninja turtles yeah so it's not it's not um i guess like too out of line for them to then just pull like the Death Star stuff in from Star Wars and all that sort of thing. Yeah, because it does like the inside of the Technodrome is very like Star Wars interior like. Like, Yeah, they're shooting like like, lasers lasers and stuff and I think at one point there is an episode where they actually have like a lightsaber. Um, (laughs) 
like a you know laser sword but so anyway just keep an eye out for more like satire or parodies because like that is where they got a lot of their source uh initially and then they eventually expanded on that stuff to make it more legitimate but um yeah star wars is definitely part of it yeah so this the the next couple scenes are kind of cool because we get like a progression of fight scenes so they get out of that hallway they kind of dust and kill two of the little what are those robots called the little zoomer guys and i guess in the comics they're referred to as roadkill rodneys um here they they don't have an actual name they're just like robot unicycles yeah, which basically, if you've played the Super Nintendo game, it's the little robots that are all over that game too. The same things. Yeah. Well, they yeah. In in order to get rid of the two ones, they throw them down this mine shaft that is like seems to be bottomless. <laughs> so it's like really, how, how big is this technically? Yeah, I thought they were throwing them out. Yeah, out of the. Um, one of them gets like stabbed in the head by a side. Yeah, they're very violent to the robots, but not to the. Obviously, it's a kid show. We talked about it before, but. The violence on the robots is like unfiltered. They just slice and dice them. Yeah. So we get that little fight scene and then they enter another room and we get like the fight scene of the episode where the theme music's playing and they're fighting these bigger robots. I guess they're just in a, you know, like an auditorium basically where, where Splinter's just hanging from the ceiling, dangling. So again, Mikey. Oh, those are separate rooms, just aren't dangling they? from this one, yeah. That's, I thought that was the room they went is, in. No, this one they're just fighting robots in yeah what seems to be the biggest room imaginable but splinter's not in this one yet oh i thought he was in that one yeah because then they... mikey mikey gets sucked up again so we know mikey's the weakest of the fighters <laughs> all right can we not pile he on gets, michelangelo he gets Jesus. instantly like bear hugged by a robot and then he's gonna get saved yeah chris as you would say tip of the spear right i don't know if he was they're all fighting separate ones well they he do was kinda, the only one that couldn't handle his yeah i think this is where leo basically commands them you know, how, basically how to flank them. And he's like, well, someone's got to go right up the gut, like a little weenie. Yeah. Yeah. In the, in this, uh, both these episodes, like Leo is so like stoic and very, like they really lean into the fact that he's the leader and like a rule follower and all this stuff. Cause he's just barking out orders to everybody. But yeah, that those are separate because what happens is they defeat the robots and then they leave. And then it's like, they go into a hallway where like that spinny, rotating like drill oh yeah drill, I like, about that spear one. thing is like barreling towards them and so donnie had taken an explosive from one of the robots they stick it on the wall or tape it on the wall and then leo uses his ninja star to just explode it and then they bust into the room i think that then leads into where splinter is being hung right yeah you're right so they get splinter he's he's basically hanging from the ceiling um Looking incredibly sad yeah just yeah. like little like crying eyes like help me how did i get caught like this yeah so shredder shredder bumps in with a couple of his foot soldiers and then re- like finally reveals himself which we knew but reveals to the turtles that he is Orokusaki. um and he makes an offer to them to join the foot clan and he also tells them that he's the one that created them so it's kind of again very Star Wars-ish where Darth Vader reveals that he's Luke's father. This is like Shredder spilling the beans that he created the turtles and he wants them to join him and, you know, rule the galaxy type deal. Yeah. Shredder only brings, I think like four or five foot soldiers. Yeah. Again, very scaled down. Yeah. Along with Bebop and Rocksteady. This is sort of the first introduction that you get to them after they've been unionized. Yeah. That they just. The worst effort 
of any villains I've ever seen trying to fight anyone. <laughs> they basically just run into each other and it's over. Yep. Yeah, the turtles jump up. They got mad hops. They jump up to Splinter, who's like 30 feet off the ceiling, hang on the rope, Bebop and Rocksteady smack into each other, you know, classic fall down. They get back, fight, fight off the four foot soldiers. So like, yeah, Shredder knowing that the turtles are, you know, these amazing ninjas. He brings just a absolutely dismal group of. Yeah. And he doesn't even fight them. I mean, that that's uh, because I watched this a couple times, too, or like maybe three times now. And he doesn't even make an effort to fight them. And again, that's like. I didn't realize how prevalent that was, but very rarely in this cartoon does he fight the turtles. He's always using Bebop or Rocksteady, the foot soldiers, like always somebody beneath him, and they always seem to fail. So, and it's kind of surprising too, because Bebop and Rocksteady, they go from, you know, who who they were as like punks or goons. But then when it cuts to them, like in uh, like an elevator or like a door opens, and I think you see him. But um, Bebop's got like his traditional like grenades, like all the um, bullets like on his vest um, or Rocksteady does. And then Bebop, same thing. He's got like, you know, all his weapons. He's got like his turtle shoulder pads. So they're very menacing. But then, yeah, they just run into each other, knock each other out cold apparently. And essentially that scene's over. Yeah, like of all villains in anything, they're, in my opinion, two of the cooler looking villains but it's yeah. just terrible. So they basically, the, the turtles yeah. book it out of there and then they, they pursue them to the zoo. And again, are just instantly locked into their former cages, basically. Um, yeah. April shows up. This is kind of like the, the culmination of they get locked in the zoo. April shows up with the camera and then they all jump in kind of the news van and, and book it out of there. We, just weaving bebop and rock steady you know, with no, like, hey, we called the police or anything. It's just they leave them, you know, Splinter's two A-list henchmen. They just leave alone with no real idea of what to do with them. Um, and then, obviously, at the end of the episode, they get they get released by two of the robot Rodneys and are back with uh, Shredder and the Technodrome. And that pretty much ends that episode. So, a lot happened. Um couple of pizza flavors we're going to add to the pizza wheel. And then, um, you know, a bunch of villains where the last episode we just had, you know, basically Shredder and a couple of goons. We get introduced to a lot of different villains in this episode. Yeah. So why don't we run down before we get to the pizza stuff? Why don't we just, I'll recap all the villains as they've appeared and we can, either eliminate or some of them and then we'll just get uh, a nice power ranking for episode two here and then we can move into the pizza wheel or pizza time does that sound good yeah sounds like a plan all right so uh from episode one we've got the punks because they were terrorizing april basically uh rokusaki makes his first appearance when splinter is telling the story about his origins um we see the foot clan um for the first time in that flashback but then they're also on the um you know in the fight scene on the ceiling or on the roof there rooftop shredder from the technodrone um then in episode two we finally get um krang 
Bebop and Rocksteady and then the Roadkill Rodneys are the, all the ones that I have. I don't know if I'm missing anyone there. Um, so Bebop and Rocksteady to be one. They're kind of like a tag team. Do they ever break up, Andrew? We can do stuff separately or no? Not that I can recall. I think we can keep them together. They seem to be a, like a pair. Right. Bebop hmm. and Rocksteady. And then... I just... Go ahead, John. I was going to say I just uh, <laughs> did a quick Google search. Their names are derived from genres of music. Bebop is a style of jazz, and Rocksteady is a Jamaican-style music, a precursor to reggae. <laughs> is I meant to ask this, too. Is the, are the Foot Clan soldiers in the second episode robots? Yeah. We don't really know, do we? We don't know, but they, um, they're they all robots in the U.S. Okay. Like, there's no human version. Um, at least there hasn't been through the first six seasons. So I think we can assume they're all robots. All right. Yeah, then, I yeah, I don't have any others, I would add. I think you got all of them. I think the only one you could make a case for maybe is, like, that grandma that had the gun, but she wasn't really a villain. It was just, like, a self-defense thing. Yeah. So uh, from that list here, what uh, – I mean, not much has happened, but who do we think is, like, the – I guess the alpha villain, or maybe we start at the worst villains and work our way up to the alpha. I have, yeah, I have a I case. Th- you want to go worst to best? I have a case for the best, but if we want to go reverse order. Yeah, let's order. go. Let's go. Yeah, let's go worst to best. All right. My, I, John, I mean, you want to go? Yeah, I think punks are the worst at the bottom. Um, honestly, I think Bebop and Rocksteady are worse. Yeah, based I agree. On, like, the punks at least got some stuff accomplished. They destroyed a car and they, like Bebop and Rocksteady literally did nothing. Okay. And then got captured. I'm with yeah. you. Yeah, I have Bebop and Rocksteady. What did the punks do, though? They destroyed a car. They at least chased him into the sewer. and like. Oh, yeah. I forgot about the car. Put up a fight. They tried to fight, at least. Like, anything is yeah. better than what Bebop and Rocksteady did. That's fair. That's fair. All right. So, we got Bebop, Rocksteady. Then we have the punks. Uh, yeah. yeah, I would put the punks next. I think the the fuck Andrew, are you editing on the Trello page? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm dragging it too. You can cut that part out, but all right. So B R Rock City Punks. And then I'm kind of torn between the Foot Clan robots and Shredder as the next two. Because the Foot Clan robots captured April, right? So they did something. The Foot Clan captures April. In yeah, the first episode. Episode one. Yeah, but I got to give Shredder a little bit of credit for like teaming up with Krang and, you know, being sort of the leader. Yeah, but he's not. I agree. He's got he's got PFTS people for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is he? I mean, I guess we give him credit for like the heists of all that stuff previously. He hasn't had any wins since we've I mean, known him as Shredder. What has he done? Uh, he did he get mutated the turtles. Yeah, and he got Saki banished, or uh, not Saki. He got Yoshi. Yoshi banished to the U.S. by stabbing him in the back with that knife. Oh, so are we counting him as Roku Saki? Those are the same. Probably we should. Yeah. Okay. Then yeah, I would go. I'll go. Um, foot foot coin next. If you guys think that makes sense. Yeah. And um. Because the, yeah. the only ones we have left are it's Shredder, 
Krang and Road, Roadkill Rodney's. Yeah, I would put the Foot Clan there because they actually had a decent fight compared to the Punks, like on the rooftop, even though they had to retreat. Yeah, and so. it just it was like the volume, their volume play. And they had yeah. those like crazy Mars weapons. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we got Bebop Rocksteady, Punks, Foot Clan from worst to best. So the three laughs, Shredder, Roadkill Rodney's, and Crane. I go, I go Shredder next. I think you can see where my list is heading. But Shredder, <laughs> you can't? All right. I go Shredder next because he's not... Mostly because of the dynamic of him and Krang. Like, Krang seems to be ordering Shredder around on what to do. And Shredder individually hasn't really had much success apart from, like, ancient history in Japan. He's a schemer. He's not a fighter, really. Yeah, but I still put... I would put him higher. Like I would probably, like I would argue for those three left. I think Shredder is at the top of the list just because he basically set the whole Ninja Turtle story into motion initially by banishing Yoshi, then intentionally mutating him. And then he also intentionally mutated Bebop and Rocksteady. But I think that was at Crane's direction. That's Crane's idea. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, the whole thing or just the... To mutate the punks was Krang's idea. Which again, is at this point, is a failure. So maybe Krang... I, my dark, I like the Roadkill Rodneys as number one. I'll make my case. What are they... They're the only successful villain so far. Well, how are they, they successful? They, everything they do is basically... They capture the rhino. They do their job. They capture Splinter. They capture the rhinos. The only time they lose is the two in the hallway to after the turtles get in the Technodrome. Yeah, but I would argue it's not just about how many wins versus losses. It's like the magnitude of the things they're doing as well. Yeah, you could they're argue. Grunts. They're grunts. Yeah, yeah they're grunts. They they should be number one, in my opinion. So without them, there's no Bebop and Rocksteady. And they captured the Turtles' leader instantly. They pop out and suck them up into the Technodrome in like three seconds. I mean, I guess that's true. They do get Splinter. They do get splinter like without any hesitation at all. The only argument you can make is if they're like, are they sentient? I don't know. Do they control themselves or are they just being told what to do? Yeah, but I still argue Shredder has done more than Krang at this point. So do we go Krang three then? So Krang what, talks a big order? game, but I guess he hasn't done anything. I, I, I was originally going to put Krang at the top, honestly. Right. He has legions of. So you had him at the top. Chris dimension. had him two, and I had him three. So he averages a two. I was going to say three, just based on he talks a big game, but he hasn't done anything yet. All right. So you say three? Yeah, so we've I got would say two three. votes for three. So Crane comes fine. in, fine. and then Saki. Chris had Rodney. Rokil Rodney's is one. John, what, where did you have him? I had Shredder at the top. Yeah. So yeah. I think oh, I'm no, voting. sorry. Well, if I mean I had Shredder two, because I had Krang one, and then I had Roadkill three. Yeah, but out of those two, you you vote Shredder ahead. Yeah. So yeah. he comes ahead. I mean, I think Krang is obviously going to move up the standings at some point. But if we're going just off these two episodes. Yeah. All right. So we don't have a consensus, but based on, I guess, average of votes, we've got Shredder at the top. And mainly that's, I think, because of his history when he was Oroku Saki. More than anything, then the Roadkill Rodneys, then Krang, 
the Foot Clan, the Punks, and Bebop and Rocksteady based off of just the first two episodes. Yeah, I'm right. good with that. Cool. All right, so we'll keep that list updated and we'll make sure to uh, review it as either new villains are introduced or villains move up that power or up or down that power ranking based on an episode. Yeah, I think we should do, I think we should, as a villain gets introduced, we have to update it. Or if somebody feels like there's a case to change yeah. the order at any point, yeah, you can they can, they can make their argument. Okay, cool. So that's the villain power ranking. Um, any other closing thoughts before we move it over to pizza time? The only thing which we didn't we didn't cover in the recap, but there's a couple of turtleisms that come out of this episode. Oh, okay. Which I don't know if they're repeated or not, but they're funny enough to mention the "Let's Boogaloo" by Mikey. Mm-hmm. That's when they're the the hip hop teens outside of uh, April's newsroom, and then turtles fight with honor. Just the corniest thing that I don't know who says it or who shouted Ronnie. it. Ronnie. Yeah, during the one of the battle scenes, but Turtles Fight with Honor was laugh out loud funny. Yeah, I literally laughed out loud. Yeah. I, I hope that, that one comes that back. That one's rough, but I didn't realize that Donnie was the first one to say it because that becomes like Leo's catchphrase, one of them. Um, Let's Boogaloo, I don't think that ever comes back. So while that is notable in this episode, I think we can leave it off the counter just because I, I don't think they ever say it again. Yeah. Turtles Fight with Honor is probably up there with Cowabunga in terms of the most um most used just from from memory. Yeah, and I the only other thing I had to mention is to me like two of the funnier I guess like turtle costumes or the way they're drawn but the the Bebop teens their funny costumes and then just the opening scene where they're sweeping with no masks on. They look so goofy without like their bandanas over their eyes. Yeah. So that's two of my like if we're going like turtle outfits, two of the funny ones I've ever seen. Better than the trench coats, I think. Yeah. Yeah, the trench coats do stick around for a while though. Sometimes they're classic, they, yeah. but they're not like yeah. funny to me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think uh, the only other I mean, we talked about the technodrome being introduced as like a, a vehicle. We'll try to keep track of those and our thoughts on those as we progress, but yeah, I think in terms of a villain vehicle, pretty pretty standard, I guess. It's what I would expect a villain to drive. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan. Personally, I don't I'm not a big fan of the Technodrome. Just like I like I'm not a huge Star Wars fan, but I'm also not a big Death Star fan just because I feel like uh when villainous things get like so big and all encompassing, then it inevitably makes it a weakness. Yeah, but I think that's part of like the, like you want the villain to be to seem so powerful. It gives yeah. the turtles more of an underdog vibe. Yeah, I, agree I mean, with just that. to like the Death Star, for example, literally a star destroy like can destroy planets. Yeah, but it did it destroy loses. planets. Yeah, and it loses though. So loses the twice. Point. They actually rebuilt it, and then it died again. Yeah, but they get into why the it had such a fatal flaw, like an exhaust pipe that basically went right into the heart of it. That's what oh, the whole that's what the whole um Rogue Force one is about. Yeah. You see that? The new Star Wars, yeah. Oh, Hopefully the Technodrome is a little more resilient. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's got just like these cavernous rooms. That's what I'm saying. Like there's five people in the Technodrome. Yeah. And it's the size of like a twenty well, story building, whatever it was. Donnie, yeah, Donnie did 
like when they first get into the Technodrome, he he basically says, "Hey, is this a manufacturing plant? Like something where they're like making? Oh, they, yeah, they make all the rodents. No, but also we didn't talk about it during the battle scene. But the way that Mikey was using his nunchucks, just I was in awe. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, I was just in awe. He yeah, was like, got bundled up by that first one. <laughs> I think it's towards the end of the fight scene. He just starts like bashing a robot's like arm or legs in just with yeah. his nunchucks, like just completely destroying it. Yeah, like raw, absolute raw power, Michelangelo. He's he's got the highest ceiling with the lowest floor <laughs> of all the turtles. <laughs> I'm fine battling with that. at least. I'm fine with that. All right, do we want to yeah. do? Do we want to update the pizza wheel? Yeah, I got the wheel ready to go. Who's eating it this time? Uh, me. That would be good sushi. Good youngest told us. Let me know once it's up. Wait, so just read off the options again. All right, so I took off whipped cream, from which was from uh, episode one. But now we've got... Uh, so we have some hangovers from episode one, including... Um, Pepperoni and ice cream, jelly bean and mushroom. Uh, mushroom, sardine, peanut butter, sashimi, banana sausage. We've got cornflakes. We've got raisin bran, and we've got uh, choco puffs. So one thing I'm going to do here before we start, I'm going to shuffle the order. John, what's what's the one you want? Do you have yeah. one in mind? I think probably anchovies and peanut butter. If I had to. See, that's the one I want. I kind of want you to get it, but I also kind of want to try it myself. But also, like, I mean, it's they're all like a little, and I'm, you know, I'm going to make a pizza. I'm going to chef it up a little bit. So it's going to be good. <laughs> You're not going to do any Elio's? No. Yeah. See, my, uh, if I had to choose one that I wanted, it would probably be sausage and banana because I feel like that would be the most enjoyable. Uh, I could like, also argue sashimi would be good too. Depends what, yeah. The sashimi would be tough just because of the temperature thing. Yeah, and it could be like sausage really and bananas. Just, just yeah, sausage, sausage people with banana. Banana's kind of neutral. Well, yeah, but if you chef that up, just a dominating flavor. Banana. If you no, chef that up too, though, you could be like, banana, remember John's fried plantains from his uh, yeah fourth grade. You unfair. Uh, you unfair. He could. You could basically do a like a fried banana plantain, which would give. Yeah, us but can crunch. we? Are we going to allow that kind of modification? Yes, of course we are. I think I think it should be taken at face value. It, when no. they when they're eating a a banana, it's just a sliced. But you don't know that chiquita. Hey, you don't know that though, Chris. If it was your turn, if you land on that, you can make it the way you want. How about I mean, John's going to make like a dessert pizza, and it's going to taste <laughs> good. This is supposed to be a punishment, but All right, well, let's get it's, to why this is it a punishment? What's to punish? It should be a punishment. Why? There I don't you know. Go. It should be a you reward. Ready? Yeah, yeah. I'm whatever ready. you want to spin. That's spinning. Come on, oh, also, it shouldn't have really matter that you randomize them because it should be random. Anyways. Yeah, it is technically, but yeah. Can... Oh, oh, John's got what is cocoa that? puffs. Oh, <laughs> that's actually it's an easy one. All right, I'm down. I can make choco puffs. Choco puffs. Cool. All right, so we'll take that one off for next time. Very and, nice. Uh, Choco puffs. Yeah, Choco puffs for John. Perfect. So, Andrew, I think you're leading the next uh, the next episode. Yeah. So I've got episode three. I'll lead it. Um, 
like you mentioned earlier, I think we'll do, we'll ultimately do some Twitter polls, get uh, some, you know, some listeners engaged with uh, helping us select who's going to be eating pizzas in the future. I think that's the way to do it. So yeah, get some viewer participation. Yeah. So for now we'll, we'll keep, we'll keep going on here. We're also, we've got uh, in the works kind of closing thoughts here in the works. We've got uh, artists working on a, a nice logo f- for the, uh, for the podcast. We're also working on a website, some social media pieces. So we do want to ultimately have uh, listenership engagement. So we're going to be looking for ways to, um, to amplify that in the coming, coming weeks and coming months as we're kind of getting our feet under us with the podcast. Absolutely. John, anything you want to add before we wrap it up? Nothing for me. Turtles fight with honor. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys next week. Let's boogaloo.